You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Tarnar, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Final hour of the week. Uh, just a quick apology uh, with my little facts on the last time the Flames won. Wrong. Yeah, 2006, uh, Facebook was widely available. My bad. An error. That's fine. I can own my mistakes. That's important in life. Do you Spl- want a really, really quick Facebook story? Splash and pool truth. Yeah. Sure. Um, really quick. I've done a couple weeks of shows uh, with John Paul Morosi, mm. incredible baseball analyst for Fox Sports. He went to Harvard at the time Mark Zuckerberg was there. He had an opportunity to invest in Facebook and didn't. Wow. Yeah. That's a big L. Yeah. Swing and a miss. Yeah. Oops. Um, by the way, uh, John Paul Morosi um, went to Harvard. Uh, his wife is a doctor and also went to Harvard. Oh, that's a power couple. Yeah. I'm sure their conversations are really like inarticulate. Yeah, and, uh, they really struggle to string sentences together yeah. like us dopes. Yeah, he's, uh, he's fantastic. Uh, Ryan Pike, managing editor from Flames Nation, he's fantastic too. He's going to join us at 8.30, play some Flames Dragon's Breath. Flames yeah. take so hot that only a dragon can spin it out. And our man Tommy Wielden Jr., a Cavalry FC manager, getting ready for their playoff matchup this weekend. He'll join us in about 15 minutes or so. But right now, he is an Oilers radio analyst for 630 Ched. We say good morning to Bob Stoffer. Bob, how are you? Good, George. How are you? We're great. Thanks for jumping on uh, this morning. When you watch Connor McDavid play, um, do you just forget? Like, do you, do you take him for granted at all? Do you catch yourself going, yeah, it's just what he does. He's so incredible. Or you're just still in awe of that guy every time you watch him. So uh, it was not an accident that Chris Knobloch ended up being Connor's coach in Erie. Basically, Kevin Lowe assisted Sherry Bassett in making that happen. Edmonton had a little bit of an involvement at that date, uh, time with the uh, – with the Otters, and so Chris went in there in the Connors first year in Major Junior, and I remember being at the draft in 2015, and we were in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, you know I met Chris for a drink. He used to play at the University of Alberta years earlier, and he said, "Bob, I'm going to tell you something about Connor. You're going to be doing a game four or five years in, and he's going to make a move or he's going to make a play, and you're going to say, I've never seen him do that before. That's what he does. So." You know, obviously, you know, the Flames had a really good team last year. And if you told me when it was 3-1 early in the second period that Edmonton was going to win that series, I would have, you know, I'm not, hey, I'm an Oilers broadcaster, but, you know, confidence was a little bit shaken. You get beat 9-6 in game one, and uh, Leon Dreisaitl's injured, and you're down 3-1 in game two. But those those two guys just completely elevated and took over the series and, uh, and and Hyman was good and Kane was good as well. But the reality is when you have that player, anything can happen, but he is still unpredictable. This is his eighth season with the Oilers and there's still things happening in his game. And that's just because he's got a, you know, a relentless work ethic that all of the subsequent order picks after sort of look at and say, okay, that's, that's the way you got to be. And so there is a lot of, un, uh, you know, he's an unpredictable player as a result. And, you know, it's frankly, we're lucky. You know, the Oilers got lucky. You know, I grew up watching Wayne Gretzky and then Mark Messier and, you know, Curry and Coffey and all those guys. And through osmosis, their practices were at such a tempo that other guys, 
maybe became better players than people thought they were going to be. And I think because Edmonton has McDavid, there's a chance we might see that down the road with some of the other, you know, first rounders that, that followed after. And Bob, the supporting cast around McDavid this year looks to be as good as any that he's had in an Oilers uniform. Uh, when you get guys like Dylan Holloway coming into the roster, Ryan McLeod taking another step, but right now playing on the line with Jesse Puliyarvi, and I know they kind of did switch it up a little bit in that first game, but do you like how that might fit while Kyler Yamamoto is is still out with injury? Well, hopefully uh, Fogel and Yamamoto play tomorrow night. Uh, they just made a little move today with Shore and Broberg. Uh, I don't think they're going to go 11-7. and seven. Uh, I think there's a distinct possibility Fogel plays and possibly Yamamoto. Uh, Paul Yarby got the opportunity, uh, Matt, as a result of you know being down a couple bodies. But we'll see where this goes. I mean, uh, there's things that Jesse has to do, too, if he's going to stay in the top nine. Now, he had five hits. That's one of the things that he had to do. Like, you know, the playoff series last year, he kind of became a non-factor. Uh, I know you have some people that are into advanced athletics. You know, he only shot at about a 5% shooting percentage, five on five in the final 38 games last year. And that killed the season because he had a pretty good start. I think in his first 28 games, he had 23 points. So, um, you know, he's, He's still, to me, he's still a bit of a question mark. I mean, I he can play as a third-line player all day, but sometimes a player doesn't see himself in that light as well. So I, I guess TBA in terms of where we're at with pulling Arby during the course of the year. And Dylan Holloway, obviously impressed at camp. He's earned himself a spot in the top six. What was your takeaway from uh, his debut of this season? Well, the team didn't play very well, and unfortunately for him, I mean, the Oilers got dramatically outplayed five on five, but won the game on special teams. A lot like how they built up their sixteen and five start last year, and then they were a completely different team five on five when Woodcroft took over last year. When we kind of saw them, you know, we saw it was, it was a lot like last year that opening game. Dylan turned the puck over in his first puck touch that led directly to a you know Elias Pettersson goal. Mm-hmm. So his night got off to a real tough start. Uh, that said. I'm quite, I'm quite bullish on him. I mean, I've been to every one of the Penticton tournaments since they started that back in 2010. His performance there, and, you know, like Taylor Hall and Nugent Hopkins and David. David only played one game in that tournament. Dry said, those guys were 18-year-olds. Dylan was, you know, 20 turning 21. But that was the most dominating player I'd seen in that tournament from any of the teams. And the Oilers, you know, the Oilers had by far the best team, as it turned out, in that tournament. And Holloway was by far the best player. I think he's going to be a real good all-around player. Uh, I think he'll. I, I'm not at all concerned about you know he'll he'll be in the orders top nine all season long. He can skate. He skates through guys when he hits. Uh, he you know I think he's got a good read. Like with Paul Yarby, the jury's still out on his ability to play with top end guys and move pucks back and forth and create opportunities. And I think that Holloway's a guy that the players are fairly confident and has the ability to do so. If anything, he's too deferential in his. Uh, season opening performance the other night and just needs to play his game. So it's not going to be easy because, you know, you guys saw what the Flames did to the Avalanche last night. That's not a surprise to me. I'm one of the people out there that thinks that uh, Calgary might not finish with as many points in the regular season as they did last year because they had a great regular season. But I think they'll be a better playoff team as a result mm-hmm. of the moves that Brad Traylor had made and the ability for the Flames to recover from a difficult situation. But uh, Holloway is going to be an important player here long term. Bob, how confident are people in Edmonton that Evander Kane has passed his issues on and off the ice? Yeah, I always find the off-ice stuff, like, we never know. 
right? Like it's, I travel with the team, you know, but this is 15 years for me doing color. And, uh, you know, I did a drive show for five years before that. When I, when I did that show in the all sports station, I used to think I had a pretty good, you know, feel and, you know, worked the trap line for information with, you know, management and coaches and some veteran players, but you never really know a hundred percent, you know, what a guy's like, how the fit works. Sometimes people say, Oh, you know, you'll hear people say, Oh, he's an unbelievable team player. And the guys don't necessarily believe that to be the case. And other times people say, well, I hear this about the player. And it turns out that he is a player that the guys like, like it's, it's worked. Evander's at a different place. Ironically enough, um, my wife's family and the Gallagher's grew up together. That's Brendan Gallagher's, mm. uh, dad and he, and he's the you know he was the uh basically the 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 trainer uh for the Vancouver Giants like the you know the off ice guy mm-hmm. and he he thought he liked Evander Kane in Vancouver mm-hmm. uh Evander dated his daughter and so uh you know I met Evander at the 2009 uh draft in Montreal and I think the thing that struck me when when he came in last year was frankly how good of a like I was stunned at how polished and good of an interview he was, you know, like he's, he's a really bright guy. Um, his teammates liked them. They wanted him back. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I personally think he played a factor in Matthew Kachuk's performance in the final four games of the series last year between the orders and the flames, uh, because he was going to, I mean, he played on the orders top line, the entire series. Uh, Edmonton had to load up because dry couldn't skate. So, so Leon and Connor got put together and, about 80% of the time Kane was there and the other 20% of the time Hyman was there. Kane led the playoffs in goal scoring. And, you know, Hyman scored in every game of the the, uh, the Calgary series. So there's your support scoring behind McDavid and Drysaddle. And the guys wanted him back. They, you know, at the end of the year, they did the exit interviews. And I was at a dinner last night with Ken Holland and he uh, was relaying the story. Like it was, the only, the only question is, you know, could Edmonton afford to do it? And there needed to be some things that had to happen from a cap perspective, because as you guys both know, the orders are right up against it. You know, the, the, the retirement of uh, Duncan Keith and then trading, uh, moving off uh, from Zach Cassian gave Edmonton the financial window to get a deal done with Kane. Kane still wanted to, to see what was out there in the marketplace. Um, but the guy, the player, the, the best players on the team wanted him on the team. He gives them a little bit of juice. He's a different type of player. He's a bit of a throwback player. He's a legitimate power forward. And then he made, you know, the other night a really unselfish play to ensure that McDavid got the hat trick, which will endure him to the, the teammates. So now, is he going to have issues down the road? I don't know. That's, that's tough to predict. All I'm going to tell you is it's so far so good since he's been here at Edmonton. Bob, I wanted to ask you about Jack Campbell as well. Um, like you mentioned with Dylan Holloway, the first couple minutes of the game are not ideal but after that I thought he was outstanding especially in the second period uh, allowing the Oilers to come back in that game is that kind of did you feel the same about his opening performance in an Oilers uniform well he'd tell you he had to have the first two back I wouldn't put the first one on him but um, Mm -hmm. agreed they don't win that game without Jack Campbell like the Oilers played poorly and Vancouver was on the power play the entire night you both know that your best penalty killer needs to be your goaltender. So, you know, he, he played a significant factor. Uh, it's interesting that Steve Briere was the goalie coach in Toronto, and he left too and went to Seattle. And that made me wonder a bit about, 
you know, sort of the ups and downs that Campbell experienced last year. He had a 937 save percentage in Toronto for the first 23 starts. He finished at 914, so he was sub 880 over the last 26 games, but played pretty well for Toronto in the series against Tampa. You know, they stepped up. I mean, Mike Smith, and I know he played in Calgary, and a lot of Flames fans probably don't think he was that good, but the fact is Edmonton was 7th and 13th in save percentage the last two years. Make no mistake, the Oilers tried to sign Markstrom. Uh, they offered him longer term, a little less money. Uh, he elected to go to Calgary. He's got a good friendship with, you know, Elias Lindholm, and the Flames have a really good team. But Campbell's younger than Smith, and the hope is that we'll, he'll, you know, he'll be able to provide them a little bit more consistency because Mike had some issues, especially at the start of the last two seasons, staying healthy. Uh, Bob, before I let you go, uh, we've been talking about it this week. Were you aware that at uh, at the arena in Edmonton that uh, it's $55 for two burgers, two pops, and two small bags of chips? Were you aware of that outrageous price? Uh, no, but you have a new, be- a new building. And what I am aware of is the Calgary Flames need a new building. Oh, and when okay. you get a new building, when you get a new building, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was the biggest proponent amongst the Edmonton media for a new building. We pay for a lot of things in this country that we have no say in. Um, you know, you have an opportunity and decision to make. Prices are prices. Uh, I can tell you that the orders ticket prices are are not inexpensive. It's a new building, and sometimes that happens. So you know, okay. people people have. People can make the choice as to whether or not, uh, again, I always, hey, we have a thing called Oilers Plus, and we've received you know, a percentage of the fan base. It's ridiculous that you're charging us for this. And I, I'm like, you don't have to buy it. Like, that that's, would be my response to it. Mm. Uh, that said, you know, the Oilers have a, it really is, you're going to a wonderful opportunity in Calgary. They got a real good team. It's good. the Battle of Alberta is on. It's good. I fully expect these two teams to meet in the second round of the playoffs. I'm not a guy that's uh, an anybody but Calgary guy. I want the Flames to be good. Make no mistake. When the Oilers play them, I want Edmonton to win the game. But I want it for for the purposes oh, yeah. of hockey in this province. The best thing possible is like it was in the '80s where the orders and the flames and the respect that those two you know, players from those two organizations had for each other back then. That's what I want to see happen in the future. Mm-hmm. There's one thing that has to happen in order for that to continue. You guys got to get a building done there. It's not going to be oh, easy. Yeah. There's a political will that has moved. Uh, well, let's just say that uh, people see things maybe a little bit differently, even than they did 10 years ago. And I, the impetus to get our, our building done in battle uh, in Edmonton was a battle. Um, many of the same people that think we should spend tens of millions of dollars for new arts. By the way, the uh, community revitalization levy that was critical for the taxpayer dollars in Edmonton to go to assist in that building, uh, it will already be met in seven years. It was supposed to take 35 years for them to you know to see that return. It's only taken seven. It's it's changed our downtown. You guys got to get it done there too, and uh, people got to get on board. And I, my guess is the majority of your listeners would one hundred percent support that. Um, and it's just got to happen because I and and yeah. and when that happens, sometimes it does get a little bit more expensive for some of the uh, amenities in a facility. Yeah. It just comes with the territory. Necess- so that would be my response. Yeah. But it's it's not a polit- it's not the most polit- the easy thing for me is to say, yeah, that's ridiculous too. I get it. It yeah. comes with the territory when you have a new house. Des- d- definitely necessary evils. Bob Stoffer, Oilers radio analyst on 630 Chad. Bob, thanks for this.
Call any time when you're stuck and can't get somebody better. Take okay. care, guys. All right. Well done, Bob. Um, he that's his move. That's his signature at the end. I've heard him say that before. It's very. Oh. I like it. It's very good. That's good. Uh, you know, this is very good. Tommy Weldon Jr., Cavalry FC manager, joins us here on the Big Show. Tommy, how are you? Oh, we don't have him yet. We're, we're, we're dialing him up right now. Um, I got another update for Tommy about the uh, World Cup in Qatar. Humongous Cavalry game coming up this weekend against Forge. Forge, the first leg of the semifinal. This one at Echo Field at Spruce Meadows because unfortunately. The side was unable to uh, jump up into the second position in the table. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to go for the second leg I, out the forge. I love I love your soccer talk there. You like it? The second part of the table. I uh, I was watching um, Welcome to Wrexham a little bit yesterday, getting caught up on some of the episodes. So I was uh, I figured I'd sprinkle in a little bit of the verbiage for you. Uh, did you hear the, the term nil a lot in that too? Um, no, there wasn't a ton of games. In the episode that I watched, yeah. so I didn't hear nil. But I do, yeah, no, nil is proper. Yeah, that's fine. Um, uh, again, uh, the, the CPL is a league that's that's growing leaps and bounds, too. And that's something that uh, is, it's an offshoot of Major League Soccer was uh, the World Cup in 94 in the United States. Wow, Major League Soccer, really big deal in North America. And now in Canada here, the game continues to grow, especially with Canada playing at the World Cup. And we know how great. The women's team uh, has been to uh, Tommy Wilden Jr., uh, Cavalry FC manager, joins us. Tommy, how are you? Very good, thanks. Very good indeed. Uh, okay, Tommy. So last time you were on, I gave you a World Cup in Qatar update. I got another one for you. Apparently, Ooh. if fans get too drunk at the games, there is a sobering zone. Oh, what would a sobering zone to you look like? Uh, a big comfy couch, uh, hoodie, sweatpants. <laughs> a little nap, Tommy? Is that what it is? Maybe some Gatorade, yeah. maybe some yeah. Advil and a nap, and then you're fine? Yeah, and some some fried food or yeah, something. Okay. Just, yep. Yeah, okay. Easy. couple junior chickens on the old skip. Yeah, Lying no problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. This is a man after my own yeah. heart. Uh, Tommy, you got a big match coming up this weekend. The playoffs have arrived. Tell me about how you're setting up your team as uh, you're going to be hosting for the match this weekend. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's, um, it's been a great rivalry that's been born out of year one, been born organically against Forge. You know, we topped the table in 2019. They beat us in the playoff final. Um, and I think every time we've played them ever since has been tight and cagey, a bit of brilliance here, a bit of controversy there, some overheated moments. But I think that's what good rivalries are made for, and it helps grow the league. And we know that... Um, the championship has to go through them, so why not put them in the way of us now? Because what stands in the way becomes a way, and our, our team right now is as fresh as it's been. We've got a possible 22 players available at 23 for the for the game, so there's going to be some tough conversations today, but there's been some great practices. The lads have been dialed in, ready to go, and you know, we go into it with the best home record in the, in the season this year, so um, our fans have been a great part of that. Listen, being a head coach, being a manager, it's it's got plenty of challenges, and one of them is telling players, yeah, unfortunately, you're not going to play in what could be one of our biggest games of the year. How do you approach conversations like that? Um, honest. Don't sugarcoat it. I think players respect it more when they're told the truth and their reasons, and they're you know, more than uh, capable to, to challenge, to speak honestly, and uh, we just give them their, their opinion because at the end of the day, you know, 
I'm paid to do a job to coach and put the best lineup out there, and they understand that. And and it's never personal. It's about tactics and it's about getting the business done. So um, they are tough conversations because you know you feel for them and they give everything they can and love to dress all 22. But right now we've just <laughs> got to pick what we feel is our best opportunity to beat Forge on Saturday. Tell me about uh, some of your previous matches with Forge this season. What are some of the challenges you've faced when going up against that side? Or, or maybe what are some of the things that you've liked that your side has been able to do against them uh, in previous matchups this year? I, I think it's probably a message to fans. Don't leave early because um, <laughs> there's been a lot of early goals and there's got, been a, got, got a lot of late goals. Uh, you know, I think our first game away from home, they tied in like the 94th minute. Um the goal of the season contender and then we've beat them here in like the 90th minute um with mickey cantave winner um it's yeah it's it's, it's been really good I and mean, we've played them what tw- four times two 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 one two one loss two one win so it's been very very close uh but they're good they're, they're a good team very competitive very dialed in they've had big big game experience through their ventures in Concacaf and um, you know, like I said, we know we're the contenders, so we've got to play like that until we get the opportunity to be the champions. Uh, obviously, Tommy, when you're in these situations, uh, it's must win. How do you manage your subs for situations when it comes to the playoff opposed to when you do this during the regular season? How long is the leash on some of your starting starting 11? Well, you've you got to look at it in different increments because we've got, essentially, it's not like a 90-minute game. It's now a 180-minute game. What we do at home may be different than what we do away from home. Um, but really, you know, we want to start well always because you want to put yourself on that front foot. You want to manage the game going into half time, And then afterwards, you know, you start looking how we start well again. And then you start looking around that hour mark. Okay, do we need to make any tactical changes? Um and you never know whether there's an injury or sending off. Things may change your course of thinking uh, before that. But then, then you want to add as, as legs are getting tired and the altitude's a big factor for us here. We finish strongly here. Um, do you add some pace off the bench to, to really get at them? Are they playing a defensive low block so you need someone tricky in half spaces or are they playing a high line and you need some pace over the top? So um, these are different scenarios that go through your mind from minute one through to minute 95. And Tommy, I uh, just wanted to ask, this was kind of the, the spot where the season came to an end last season. You've got several returning players on the roster. What have they learned from last year? What have you guys been talking about, maybe comparing, contrasting last year and how you're going to approach this differently? Uh, we just want to be the masters of our own uh, destiny. Uh, we can't be about a decision here or controversial moment. Uh, we talked about all season long about playing to the whistle, whether that's in training, whether that's in games, and not getting too wrapped up with the officials. We have to take ownership of what we do on the pitch. And um, the guys have responded really well to it, and it's probably seen why we've scored a lot of late goals this season is because we've just kept on going no matter what the score is at that time or you know, we're, we're playing to the final whistle. And uh, it's never over till the fat lady sings, but in our case, <laughs> it's when the referee blows his whistle. Tommy Weldon, Jr., Cavalry FC manager. Tommy, great stuff. Thanks for joining us. Best of luck this weekend. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Okay, there you go. Are you going to try to make your way down for a match? Well, this is pretty much it. It's tomorrow. It's 2 o'clock, and then they're going to be off to Hamilton to Battle Forge, and then... Being the three seed, probably not going to be hosting. So mm. this is kind of this is the curtain call. What's the vibe at those games? Oh, it's because somebody who's never been like it's myself. It's a lot of fun. What's the vibe? 
It is. Um, it's a great pitch. It's covered, so sometimes the weather's not great. It's really good for that. Um, they have a section called the Foot Soldiers, which is really like your super invested hard. They have chance too, right? Oh yeah, they got the chance for the for all their favorite players, and yeah, it's it's um it's a ton of fun. It's it's a little ways. You got to get down to Spruce Meadows, Echo Field at Spruce Meadows. But, like, Patty Dumont loves going to the games. He usually hops on a train, takes it down to one of the stations in the south, and they got a shuttle that'll go back and forth there. So, if you want, it's maybe a little bit more of a trek than usual, but you could still booze and get there and back, no problem. It's a good time. And the playoffs, that's a good time to go. And the weather's going to be unreal. It's going to be beautiful. Weather's going to be beautiful next week. I'm already trying to plot some golf. For you and me next week. <laughs> Let's do Cause, it. Because it's going to be like 23, sunny. Where's all this weather I keep hearing about? Ever since Stop, I've arrived. Don't talk about it. I know. Because then it'll be okay. here. And you'll blink and that thing will change. That thing will be like, it's, oh, it's by the beautiful. way. Nope. I got to say, I come to Calgary. Flames win their home opener. I'm kind of giving myself we're, the credit for it. We're doing this? Really? What, what's been the common denominator of the last... <laughs> You know, 13 years with the Flames not winning their home opener, me not being here. I Can you argue with that logic? That um, With the logic, yes. The, okay. fa- the fact that you were not here for 13 years, Facts. I cannot argue with. Facts. And I come here to live to do this show, they win their home opener. Yeah, maybe Good it's, job, Georgie. it's definitely not Huberto, Kadri, Wager, and, and a maybe whole it's me. cast of, but yeah, sure, we'll go with George. Yeah. In the words of uh, NSYNC, it's gonna be May. It's gonna be May. Maybe. Uh, straight ahead, uh, we're gonna wrap up the week the way I like to wrap Sportsnet 960, the fan. Well, 20 minutes to go in our week. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Maddie and I are gonna play a little golf this afternoon in beautiful Calgary. Swing the sticks, uh, pipe some drives. Maybe, maybe try to limit the shanks today. Ah, I'm we'll, feeling good. We'll try, I'm feeling good about your game. I'm feeling a lot better about my game. Okay, so two things have, into the season. Two things. Season. Two things have happened since I've arrived in Calgary. <laughs> oh, jeez. Number one, uh, the Flames finally win a home opener. Getting gratuitous. And number two, uh, I believe your golf game has improved since I've gotten here. Yes. It hurts me to say it, but yes, so, I'll admit it. So both of those things are true. Yes. Okay. Both of those things are true. Okay. I'm just saying. Wait, you want a cookie? <laughs> An animal cracker? <laughs> yeah. hey, would a, you like a little elephant, can get, Georgie? Can we get this guy a trophy? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a double stuffed Oreo? Yeah. What about that? I I like them golden. Um, It's time to play uh, the hottest of... I like the golden one, too. Yeah, they're good. Uh, It's time to play the hottest of hot takes. So, fact, uh, Dragon has to do it. But we got to have... You got to play with somebody here, uh, uh, Maddie. And joining us on the line, uh, managing editor for Flames Nation, we say good morning to Ryan Pike. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Uh, We're good. So, Ryan, uh, because you're the guest, because you're taking time out of your busy day to join us here on the show, I'm going to give you a choice. And the way this stupid game works is... We hear from our Sportsnet 960, uh, the Fan Dragon Fanny. I brought her over, like I moved her across the country to give smoking hot flames takes. I'm going to give you the option. You have to try to make a case for her really hot take, or you oppose her take. You go against it. Which way do you want to lean? Because you're the guest. Uh, I'm going to oppose. Okay. You're, oh, so Maddie, Maddie has 
You gotta, you gotta try to make a case for some of these scorching hot flames uh, takes. I gotta get in character. Give me a second. Yeah, because it's uh, they're gonna be really hot, Ryan. They're gonna be really hot. All right, uh, it's time. It's that time of the week. Uh, we like to end the week with some really hot, really, really hot takes. Hit it, Alex. It's now time for the hottest of hot Calgary Flames takes. So hot, in fact, that we needed the help of our Sportsnet 960, the Fan Dragon, Fanny. This is Dragon's Breath. Here's your host, George Russick, who, by the way, is fluent in Dragon. Mm, I I took it at community college, Ryan, just a heads up. Uh, I speak fluent Dragon. So the way it works is... uh, Matty Rose is going to try to make a case for these scorching hot flames takes. And then you just got to be the voice of reason here, Ryan, when you hear these takes. Uh, Alex, let's hear the first one. Let's do it. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. That was long. Oh, Oh. still going. Okay. Well, Ryan, we'll start with you. Uh, Here's the Dragon's first take. Nikita Zadorov will live up to his first-round pick status and be an all-star this season. I, I think Zadorov is going to perform very well this season, but, uh-huh. I mean, I he's not going to get power play time. He's He might crack the top four pairings or top two pairings at some point, but, you know, he's he's not going to get power play time. And I think if you're not getting power play time, it's very, very difficult to get the numbers to be uh, to be an all-star. I think he'll be. I think he'll have a good season, but I think in in the scoring depth charts, he might be like fourth or fifth. And I think if you're fourth or fifth, it's very tough to be an all-star. Mm. Okay, see the voice of reason. Uh, I like it, uh, Maddie. Um, the dragon just spit out that Nikita Zadorov's going to be an all-star this season. Why? Why make a case? Why Nikita Zadorov's going to be an all-star? Listen, I understand Ryan's point that you have to have some points to be an all-star, but let's just look to 2020 when who else but Jacob Slavin was nominated to the all-star game. And is Jacob Slavin known for putting up a ton of points? He sure isn't. He sure isn't. He's known for shutting down the league's best players. And that's what we're going to see from Nikita Zadorov all season Long. This is a guy that is going to be on the third pair, perhaps. He's only going to play maybe 17 or 18 minutes, but they're going to be good minutes that he's going to get you because Daryl Sarr doesn't mind if it's the top pair, the second pair, or the Zadorov pair. He's got faith in this guy right now. Do you know who was out there for the number one shorthanded unit yesterday, Georgie? Nikita Zadorov. It was Nikita Zadorov playing okay. with Chris Tanev. Okay? This is a guy who has taken a humongous step in his game. He looks ready to go, and frankly... The suit that he wore alone should get him to the All-Star game. Wow. See, that that's how we play Dragon's Breath, Ryan. Uh, it's a smoking hot take, and I think Matt, Matty Rose, and you're the voice of reason, Matty Rose did a great job of making a hit. You ready for the, the second take here, Ryan, if that wasn't hot enough? Let's do it. Okay, let's hit it, Alec. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a long one. Yeah. Oh, he's... Walking away? Did he did he fade away he there? Flying what, away? What, what happened? Was that? What, what, what are we fading, are we fading stuff all of a sudden? Fanny doesn't like to be muted in any way. This is a long one. The St. Louis Blues. We'll start with you, Maddie Rose. You got to make a case for this one. The St. Louis Blues had eight 20 goal scores last season. Brett Ritchie will be the eighth Calgary Flame to score 20 goals this season. Listen, uh, I think that this Flames team 
is arguably one of the deepest that we have ever seen. Look at what they do down the middle. Lindholm, Kadri, Backlund, and then Kevin Rooney. That is a great way to set up your center depth. And if you got center depth, that means that your forwards can score. And as I look at this group of forwards, who's going to score 20? Kadri, Yes. Huberto? Yes. Mangiapane? Yes. Lindholm? 55 coming, obviously. Toffoli, Dubé, Coleman, I could see all of them scoring 20. At that point, we just need one more guy. And look at the start that Milan Lucic got off to last year. That guy looked like he was going to score 30 at the beginning of last season, playing down the lineup with the Calgary Flames. And now Brett Ritchie's in. He gets that first goal. Him and Lucic are showing some incredible chemistry early on with that pass to the front. And if he's going to be shooting the puck like that, he could do 20 in his sleep. So, yeah, no problem. 820 goal scorers, a little on the low end for me. And Brett Ritchie <laughs> will definitely be one of the 20 guys. Uh, all right, Ryan Pike, managing editor for Flames Nation. Uh, why won't Brett Ritchie be the eighth Calgary Flame to score 20 goals this season? I'll say this for Brett Ritchie. He, he's off to a goal per game pace, and that's, uh, that's a good way to start the season. Yep. Uh, but I'll say this for Brett Ritchie. I mean, He's the he's the kind of guy that he he's got that great straight line speed. He's a good like north south four checker. Uh, I think he lacks the dynamism in his game to uh, to to really do that too often. I mean, Milan Lucic just put it on his stick last night. It was just it was a gimme. He was a very good pass and a, and a very reliable finish. But I I just don't think that uh, that Richie's gonna be given too many of those easy tap ins from uh, from Milan Lucic during the season. So I think. You know, he's, he's usually good for about four or five just absolute, you know, beautiful goals a year. And then and then you don't notice him for several weeks. So I'm expecting to uh, potentially not not notice him for a few weeks uh, mm. after that one last night. But I mean, you know, it's uh, if you're a fourth liner and you, and you don't get noticed, that means you're still doing some things right. So I think right. uh, I, I don't think he's got the offensive consistency to uh, to pot 20, but you know, honestly, if he if he gets off to a decent start, I think hitting double digits might easily be in his future. But I think twenty might be pushing it a bit. Uh, we are playing Dragon's Breath, uh, the hottest of hot takes. So hot, in fact, only a dragon can spit them out on the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet nine sixty, the fan. Oh, Alex, let's hear the third take from our Sportsnet nine sixty, the fan, Dragon Fanny. Okay. Oh, all right. Ryan, let's start with you. This is smoking hot. Uh, after his shorty last night, Dylan Dubé will challenge Mario Lemieux's NHL record of 13 shorthanded goals this season. Oh, that's a good one. I'll, I'll say, I don't think he's, I think, I think the challenge for those guys that he plays, but the, you almost the agree, Ryan, is <laughs> that what it is? Because he's again, much like Brett Ritchie, uh, you know, right now, Dylan Dubé is off to an 82 shorthanded goal. Uh, yeah. Pace, so <laughs> yeah. Would know, be remarkable. Yes. record wouldn't be slowing down too considerably. I just think it's, you know, he's, he plays, you know, on the, the third forward uh, pair on that PK with, uh, with Adra Majapani. And I think, uh, you know, there's going to be some teams that are a little bit more aggressive with a power play than Colorado was last night. I mean, Colorado got real good in the second half of the game. So I, I don't think that uh, Dubé will quite have uh, have as many chances on, on two-on-ones. You know, I'd be, I would be impressed if he gets 20 scoring chances on, on the penalty kill this year. 
And if he gets 20 scoring chances, he's a good finisher. He'll probably get, I think, you know, four or five shorties might not be mm-hmm. out of the realm of possibilities. But I think just the, the amount of chances he's going to get shorthanded are going to be considerably fewer than uh, than the, the one per game he got last night. So, but, you know, good start for him, though. Yeah, uh, that, that's Ryan Pike, the voice of reason. But, Matty Rose, tell me why Dylan Dubé is going to challenge Mary Lemieux's record of 13, 13 shorties this season. Here's what we know about Dylan Dubé. Guy grew up in Cochrane. Guy won fitness testing. And guy's on pace for 82 shorthanded goals to start the season. Those and are all facts. I know that he's on the third tandem for the shorthanded units right now, him and Manjapani. But those two guys have been doing that penalty kill gig for a long time now, going back to last season. And I firmly believe that if they continue to put efforts forward like they did yesterday, these guys... Sooner than you know it, they could be the first ones over the bench when this team is killing a penalty, and that means more opportunity because, hey, this team, they're going to take penalties. Everyone takes penalties. That means you're going to be shorthanded. You're going to get your opportunities. And what we saw from Dylan Dubé yesterday was him shooting the puck on the two-on-one, not looking to defer, and he has a great shot, especially when he's moving. So if he is able to bust off a couple of two-on-ones, him and Manjapani so smart when they play together, I could see him easily, no problem, Scoring 13 shorthanded goals. Wow. And listen, I understand all the haters. We haven't seen anyone score more than seven shorthanded goals since Franz Nielsen did it in 2010, 2011. It's a very hard task to do, but he could do it in his sleep. Do you really think a lot of people were one. saying that? I think I heard, I heard it all over the okay. place. I could hear it in my headphones from Brody. I was okay. getting tweets. I was getting texts. They, right. Everyone's saying it. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. We're playing Dragon's Breath. Big show. Uh, Russell and Rose Sports at 960 The Fan. Let's wrap up the week with one more smoking hot flames take. Alex, hit it. Ooh. Really? Manny Rose, we'll start with you. Mm. The Toronto Maple Leafs were number one on the power play last season, operating at a 27.7% clip. Wow. The Flames' power play will operate at a 35% clip this season. Oh, my goodness. 35%. So out of 100 times, that means they have to score... 30, 35. 35 goals? Yeah, 35 goals. So uh, I think that they could do it with the way that that first power play unit was zipping it around. Listen, these are guys who haven't known each other. Lindholm and Rasmus Anderson, they don't know Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberdeau and Nazem Kadri. Hey, basically, them and the Florida guys couldn't have been any further from each other during the course of the NHL season. And during the regular season, half of them are in Sweden, half of them are in eastern Canada. So they're not close there either. And then you throw in Nazem Kadri. Listen, there's no continuity with this first power play unit, and yet they were zipping it around yesterday. And Jonathan Huberdeau showed one thing yesterday. He is so elite when it comes to moving the puck out of tight spaces where he is under pressure. And I think if he's able to really maximize that potential with that first power play unit, create a lot of four on threes for that other group. Plus we've already talked about Georgie Elias Lindholm, 55 goal season. I like it. He's going to get a lot of power play points. So yes, uh, they're going to easily run it to 35%. Honestly, wow. might be a little bit low, George. Might wow. be a little low. Uh, Ryan, uh, you want to be the voice of reason here on why the flames won't operate at a 35% clip this season. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, the, the guys up north have, uh, you know, as much as the pains of <laughs> here sometimes. The, the team up north has a couple very, very, very good players on their power play. And I think, uh, you know, the, the, the Oilers are 
fortunate when they, you know, operated a 25% clip. And that's with, uh, you know, Connor McDavid, who at times is automatic on special teams. So, I mean, I, I think uh, I agree I agree with the, the idea that the Flames are going to have a good PP this year because they should have a good power play this year. They have a lot of good players in that first unit. And I think, you know, being consistently, you know, 20%, you know, low to mid 20s would be pretty pretty much in the realm of possibility probably maybe even the realm of expectations but i mm. think uh 30 35 is pushing it but yeah somewhere in the somewhere in the 20s is probably realistic but 35 is pushing it uh there's only one thing left to do on dragon's breath uh flames editor uh managing editor for flames nation ryan pike joining us there's only one thing left to do on dragon's breath and What's that's that? award a winner no. and ryan just a heads up uh usually uh, the Dragons really thin-skinned, uh, doesn't like when anybody uh, disagrees with their take. But we got to ask the Dragon, uh, who wins Dragons Breath today? Fanny, who, who's the winner? <laughs> Matty Rose has to win. Um, you got oh. Sorry, Ryan, you took time out of your day, but he wins Dragons Breath today. Uh, Ryan, out of those really smoking hot takes, which one were you the closest to agreeing with? Honestly, I think the uh, I think the, the the shorthanded one. I think uh, Maddie made it. Maddie made a good case for it. He uh, he did. You know, he's uh, he he's been uh, he's been using the whiteboard at games and sort of mapping out uh, strategies and stuff. And I think he figured. I think he's figured out a path for them to potentially get that uh, that record. So I mean, hopefully, hopefully the coaching staff uh, keeps him on the line and uh, you know is able to touch base with him on those strategies. Okay, I like it. Which one, uh, Maddie, was the toughest to defend? The toughest one to defend was probably Nikita Zadorov going to be an all-star. Okay. He's going to have a good season, but there's three guys I would put ahead of him to probably end up at the all-star festivities, if not four. Like, Chris Tanev doesn't put up the numbers, but he could also be an all-star any year. Same with Uyghur, same with Hannafin, same with Anderson. So that was probably seen. So, Brett Ritchie, uh, NBD, 20 goals. No big deal. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, let the the one thing that's interesting there is this team does have a hole on the right side. And if someone gets hurt, we've seen him bumped up the roster before. Okay. Interesting. Great stuff. Uh, Ryan Pike, managing editor for Flames Nation. Uh, Ryan, thanks for this. Uh, hopefully you'll be back again one day to play Dragon's Breath. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay. Uh, there he goes. Uh, I think next week. Do the Flames play on Thursday next week? Next week, the Flames play on. Where do I have it here? You oh, have it there because I, so I know we notes. wanted to get Pat Steinberg on. But uh, he was up super late last night, had an appointment early this morning, couldn't make it for Dragon's Breath. They play next Thursday? Flames Sabres, 7.30 next Thursday. So it'll be a tough one. Okay. So we got to see who we got to reach out who wants to jump on uh, into the Dragon's Pit to do some Dragon's Breath. And if you guys think that there's someone that would fit the bill here, someone around town, let us know. Yeah, I nine six zero nine six zero. I I am not diminishing your incredible performance at Dragon's Breath. How you can make a case for these outlandishly <laughs> smoking hot takes, but I'm waiting for the day where we have a guest, maybe even Pat Steinberg, who's going to be on the Dragon side of things. Yeah, and really have to dive in. Like, which Flames media be like, you know what? I can do this. I can tackle these smoking red hot takes, and in fact, I can make a damn good case for them, like you've been doing the last couple weeks. Thank you. We're going to have to rack our brain. We're going to have to chat with some people, get down to the dome, watch some skates, get some chats going, just see if anyone has anything outlandish they bring up in just in passing conversation. Then we'll sign them up. No problem. We'll yeah. Uh, get that, them all hooked up. That would be fantastic. Uh, that's pretty much it for us uh, for the week. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened. Uh, we'll be back Monday morning. Uh, we'll be dissecting uh, game one of the Battle of Alberta.
I'm going to go to the Wranglers game on Sunday, too. Oh, that's super exciting. One o'clock start. You're going to go, too? Yeah, I'll be there. I'll have to come say hi. I might not go anymore. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) well, maybe he can buy you a can of malt liquor there, Alex, because he still owes it to you. I'm very excited, though. Their first ever game. It's going to be pretty sweet. Uh, That is going to be pretty sweet. Uh, I'll be back on Sunday for some Inside the Lines action along the Sportsnet radio network. Myself, Cam Stewart, David Bastel, uh, talk some week six of the National Football League. But before we say goodbye. Yeah. Maddie, Lotto Max is over $130 million in prizes up for grabs oh tonight with a jackpot of an estimated $70 million plus an estimated 60 max millions. That's over 130 million reasons to get ready to maximize your dreams. Dream to the max with Lotto Max and Friday's estimated combined prizes of over $130 million must be legal ages. That's it for us. We'll talk to you Monday. Have a great weekend. Bye.